This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Miriam Skydell, who is the Director of Sensory Bounce Therapy, which uh, are located all over the country. Um, And uh, Miriam, thank you so much for being on the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So Sensory Bounce Therapy is a program that I developed the concept of about seven years ago. Uh, The goal of sensory bounce therapy is to go into an existing inflatable bounce house or trampoline park. We're actually expanding to those now and give kids their therapy in a natural environment so that they're learning to play and develop and get their therapy in a place where their typical peers go to but that they normally can't handle. Places like Bounce You or Pump It Up or any of the indoor inflatable places that the kids are normally invited to for birthday parties parties or just even for open bounces, the kids on the spectrum very often have a hard time because it's too noisy, it's too loud, there are too many people, it's too overstimulating, Uh, but the actual equipment that's there provides an enormous amount of potential for social interaction, and most importantly for the kids on the spectrum, it gives them a lot of the sensory processing information and the motor coordination, balance, and the feedback that a lot of them need to help with their either attention or modulation or strength or tone. So the way we work the program is we hire an occupational therapist. We max out our classes at 10 kids with a one-to-two ratio. So there's a therapist and four assistants for every 10 kids in the class. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we do is we structure social skills activities within the framework of using the equipment that's existing within the bounce facility. We modify things to help each child. We work on specific goals. And while the children are doing their bounce therapy, we run a parent support group in a separate room for the parents. Uh, And the goal of this, right, so the goal of this for me was uh, I've been in private practice for like 30 years, and I always notice the parents uh, within the waiting room. It's one kid coming in, coming out, and the parents really always need a Another, you know, other people to connect to and to talk to and to network with. So this was perfect for me because it allows ten parents to be in a room at the same time uh, with common, you know, common goals and common concerns. And more importantly, it enables them to have a support group at a time when they don't have to find extra childcare for their special needs children, which becomes a challenge for a lot of them because their children are getting their therapy in the other room. So I think it's been a real benefit for the children and it's been a real benefit for the parents. Wow. I I have many questions. This is intriguing. So, well, let me just back up a little bit. I know that you started this seven years ago. Are you an occupational therapist or what is your professional background? Yes, I'm an occupational therapist and Mm -hmm. I've been in private practice for like 25 years and I have a sensory gym in my my office. So I do lots of uh, sensory integration work. But if you've ever seen any of the indoor facilities, you know, any of these indoor bounce houses, I obviously at some point realized that no matter what I could build in my office, I could never build a 15,000 square foot place with trampolines right. and bouncy houses and slides. And I, right. So it was just like almost like, wow, this is like sensory integration therapy on speed. And then it enabled me to put in all the other components of 
you know, that it's a natural play environment, that's a better place to learn than a simulated environment. It's right. the social piece, the, you know, so whatever. It, just, it sort of just puts together all the things that I really believe is needed for therapy uh, in a place where I could actually do it. That's interesting. And and the timing was right because, I mean, it wasn't, It had, at least in my experience, uh, you know, it, it really is within the last 10 years or so that these big bounce and trampoline parks and, you know, indoor bounce uh, house pavilions, I don't even know what to call them, have really come into fashion. Um, exactly. So, exactly, so exactly. It, it's, it's kind of a perfect marriage. Let me ask you just a, a very specific question. Um, I know that you started this seven years ago. You work in groups of about 10 children. And then the, I love the, the combined parent support group. I couldn't agree with you more that it's a great way to offer parent support at a time when their children are engaged in something that they also need. So that's kind of a perfect balance. Um, is there an age range? that you serve or is it open? Yeah, so the age range for sensory down therapy program is three to about 12. Mm-hmm. We normally get, I'd say, kids somewhere, you know, I'd say four, five, six, seven are probably the bulk of the children. Um, and again, we accept kids at different ages, but sometimes you have a 12-year-old who developmentally is a four-year-old or a five-year-old who may be very high-functioning on the spectrum, so they have the language skills of a nine-year-old, which is why we staff it with such a high staff ratio, so that even if we have 10 kids and there's an age range, our therapists can sort of model activities or direct the assistance and say, you take these two kids this obstacle course while I work with these two kids on, you know, one could be working on eye contact, one could be working on frustration tolerance and impulse control. Um, so there are parts of the session that we group everyone together, um, but then it allows us the ability to sort of break up into smaller groups. And if someone is not a good fit for the program, then, you know, within the first week, we tell the parents that for whatever reason, too high, too low, too old, too big, too small, that it's just not a good fit. And, and these are about an hour long? To- is that what you said? The sessions? Yeah, the session is an hour. It's an hour. It runs every week, all year long. We actually run a camp in the summer in some of our locations. At the end, once the kids' extended school year is over, mm-hmm. we run um, a sensory camp, which that is like from 9 to 12. And instead of just doing an hour of bounce, we also do another two hours where I create a theme for the day. And then within that theme, we do different sensory snacks that the kids make, sensory crafts, sensory activities, uh, so all different things that are surrounding that theme, all like with intense sensory stuff involved yeah. in it. And, and who runs the parent support group? Is there, are there, I know you, you're, you have locations all throughout the country, so there must be multiple facilitators. Are they social workers uh, or psychologists? Are, or, or So, in, so in, it used to be for a long time we were using social workers, um, and then we started noticing that in a lot of the locations, we the parents actually relate to the parents more than anybody else. So yeah. often in some of the often we end up hiring a parent from within the program itself and we use them to help the support group because the support group that we really want is more to be um, just a place for the parents to network and vent and share common, you know, common frustrations. We didn't want, you know, someone coming in and lecturing and doing therapy therapy. So our leader is more someone who moderates, makes sure that everyone's getting a chance to talk about what they want to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes you know, bring up topics. And we found that the people who were relating the best to the people in the group were actually the parents themselves. So if we have someone who's, you know, we think is appropriate within the group, then we use that. And if not, then, then we have had social workers, sometimes it's a special ed teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's no, there's no definite formula to who we hire. That's nice. That's nice. And how many people, um, 
overall? I know you're in multiple states, but do you have a number of, of how many children you're serving in all of your different sites? Right now, I'd say we're serving about 120 in wow. a bunch of the different locations. And our goal, obviously, is to keep expanding and to grow as many programs in as many neighborhoods as or areas and states as we can. So we're slowly, um, you know, we, we start, I started out in Paramus. That's our oldest location. That, Paramus, that New location. Jersey. I know where that is. Paramus, New Jersey. Yep. yep. So that's where we started. That's started that. It'll be seven years this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there we actually run three classes a week. So our goal is to just open as many as we can and service as many kids as we can. And it really is. It, so you're, you're, it, it's, it's a cool model because you're not really opening sites. You're more working with established, you know, parks and, and, um, and bounce house exactly. places and stuff. Exactly. And you're exactly. basically saying you're working with them to come and offer this service. So are, do you end up having to rent space for a period of time from those locations or is it more uh, collaborative than that? Do, it's, more, it's, more, it's more like a partnership. It's more like okay. a partnership. We come in there. We usually, I mean, the, the, the business model part of it is we take over the facilities generally at a time when they're not doing birthday parties, like on a Monday evening at 5 o'clock or Tuesday mm-hmm. evening, most kids aren't doing parties. So it works for both of us because for them it's downtime and it's a way of them bringing in extra revenue that they, they wouldn't be having anyway. And it works great for us because it's an after-school program for kids who are generally looking for things to do after school. So we do those and we do like a first thing Sunday morning where a lot of the spectrum kids are up early and the parents are looking for things to do. Yeah. Um, people are usually doing a birthday party at 8.30. So we'll do an 8.30 to 9.30 Sunday morning class. So it actually... It, the business model works really well. It's it's um, beneficial both to us and and to the bounce houses. Um, we do we do bill it as a therapy so that anyone who has out of network insurance, we give them a bill at the end of every month uh, to submit to insurance for an occupational therapy session so that they can get reimbursed. Uh, and then anyone who doesn't have insurance, we automatically take twenty percent off the cost of the program if we know they're not going to be able to submit. We do offer some scholarships. We try and work with people. And ideally, what we're working on now, which that's you know, the bureaucratic part is the yeah. hard part, is trying to get um, covered by insurance companies so that hopefully we could take insurance. Right, which is an uphill battle, I'm sure, but but definitely makes yeah. sense to me. And then I think you also had mentioned that um, you're you're starting to work with some parents um, to, to have uh, parents hopefully begin to advocate within their school districts um, for this kind of therapy for their, their school-age child. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, I really believe a lot, you know, ABA, I don't know if you know much about ABA, I'm sure oh, you Oh, yeah, do. no, Anderson, um, Anderson uh, utilizes ABA. Mm-hmm. Right, so ABA has, you know, become a very, very popular mode of therapy and lots of the school districts are paying for their kids to get this free trial Mm -hmm. um, and home therapy programs and I feel like this is a great adjunct because what you're learning in ABA is a skill but the way to generalize it is then to take it out into the natural environment and use it so if schools are willing to pay for a kid to sit 40 hours a week at home getting this free trial then you would hope that they would then also be willing to pay for the same child or to be in a social, natural environment somewhere and utilize those skills. But obviously, like anything, it's like you said, it's, you know, it's an uphill battle. And I think probably the best way to do it is to start having parents advocate for their own child, saying, my kid needs social skills. This is, you know, this is what's going to help them really in life is to develop mm-hmm. social skills and to be able to play with their peers in a natural environment, not just sit in my house and learn the skills there. So that's something in the future I would, we would love to, we would love to get going. 
uh, and on that note, uh, right before we take a quick break, do you, I know a lot of times when you're looking for that kind of, like like you said, going through some of the bureaucratic aspects of, of um, building this business and, and making it more accessible for more families, are you taking data? Is there is there some sort of outcome that you produce that, that demonstrates true um, the, to the type of progress that maybe a school district would be looking for when making that decision? Or is it, or is it of, uh, well, just in terms of progress from, a, from an occupational therapy standpoint, are there, you know, is there measurable progress or is it more yeah. um, anecdotal so in terms hard. of families reporting that their child is, is, is improving in their social uh, interactions and maybe some physical, right. you know, motor, motor type activities? Right. So unfortunately, with all the therapies a lot of these kids get, it's very hard to prove empirically that yeah. specifically what we're doing. Um, our best, obviously our best proof is the parents who keep coming back and the parents who, you know, are, are talking about the program and saying how well their kids are doing. But unfortunately, th- that kind of data is hard. It's not like they couldn't read, but now they can, you know? So that is a challenge. Exactly. And we're not doing data like ABA. We're not doing discrete mm-hmm. trial where we can say, you know, in time repetitions, they're doing this. And that's obviously, my model is much more DIR, which is more like floor time, yep. which is much more child-driven. Then mm-hmm. that's not the kind of data that, that we would that we would collect. Okay. Understood. Understood. Just a question. Um, we're going to take a short break. Sure. When we come back, I want to get a little more personal about some of the children that you've seen uh, thriving in, in your program and, and talk about some of the social aspects, which I think is really cool. This sure. is One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Autism may present with challenges, but at Anderson Center for Autism, we're focused on unlocking the tremendous potential for all we serve. At Anderson, every moment is a teaching moment. Every moment is a chance to build skills and self-confidence needed to experience success. Every moment is a chance to optimize the quality of life for someone with autism. And every moment offers a chance to touch a heart, to inspire. Learn more at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and this morning I'm talking with Miriam Skydell, who is the director of Sensory Bounce Therapy, which is now in several different states throughout the country. And what you've been describing, Miriam, is exciting to me because you're taking an already existing social recreational opportunity, which is, seems to be growing throughout the country, right? These trampoline parks and, and bounce houses and things like that. And you're taking your expertise and your staff's expertise in occupational therapy and, and sensory processing and, and working, bringing the therapy for children on the spectrum and maybe struggling with some other sensory processing issues into those settings and at the same time providing a social and supportive opportunity for parents. Can you talk to us a little bit about like the social aspects, both for parents and for the children? I mean, there's got to be, I would think, maybe even more of a draw for families to send their child uh, to a sensory bounce therapy program because it is such a natural setting and you can imagine your child making friends and connecting with people in that setting. Is, is that what you see? Yes, that's exactly the goal of the program is to take children who struggle socially who very often when they're getting social skills groups that they're signed up for it's all very simulated like the kids are sitting around the table and someone is telling them you know Johnny say hello to Timmy and say hi Timmy Um, and a lot of the stuff to me just ends up sounding very rote because in the natural world you don't actually go a five-year-old doesn't walk over to someone and say Timmy it's my turn or hi my (laughs) name is Timmy what's your name Um, and that's kind of what happens when you're sitting around the table and someone's teaching you how to be social whereas in our sensory bound therapy program the kids are moving and bouncing and jumping and we just, even simple things like we do a hello song at the beginning of every single session and we do a goodbye song at the end. And what we do is we start to, we modify that 
so that it becomes more and more, uh, it requires more and more skills. So when we start, let's say, at the first session, we may just sing hello, everyone has a name tag. But then we start having one child pick another child um, in the group to sing hello to them next. And then we may up it so that the child who's picked comes to the middle of the circle and gets to pick whatever they want to do, jump up and down, clap their hands, and everyone has to follow them. So just by naturally playing with them, they're learning the social skills. They're learning who the, their friends are. They're, they're getting to recognize the kids. They're, they're, they have to make eye contact. Uh, they, they become a leader. And these are all natural play things as opposed to telling them exactly what to do. And the benefit of the, all the staff that we have is even the lowest you know, functioning child who's nonverbal, um, we can have someone help them, walk them over to another child and point mm-hmm. to them or look at them. So we've done so much. We've seen kids who come with no eye contact at all um, and no interaction at all. And suddenly they're going up the slide or down a slide and they're waiting. You see them turn around and look for someone to come behind the them. Next one. Um, for that yeah. child, that's like an amazing milestone. Absolutely. And and I and just having spent some time in these parks and, and when when I go with my children, I often take my shoes off and I go in with them just just to have some fun and get some exercise. And, you know, there's certain activities in life that I feel are very sort of equalizing because nobody can really bounce without just getting silly to some degree. And, and that is a range for people. But, you know, so I feel like um, and I don't know if this is what you see, but I, I, I would think even for folks who who are struggling with the sensory sort of maybe overload or input, sometimes there's just an inherent giggle or or again like a like an equalizing factor where not you know you don't have to be you know a great athlete or be able to do certain flips or anything it's really more about just playing having fun, um, having yeah, fun exactly having fun. and without mm-hmm. without the sort of competitive nature of it so so I think I just want to say you know that that I really think it's very cool that the idea also makes tremendous sense but somebody in this case you had to think about putting the two together so I'm thrilled that it's been growing and and um and and I'm hopeful, as you are, that um, that your efforts to make it more accessible for everyone um, who needs it or, or would benefit from it potentially uh, are successful. I want to switch Thank gears. So and, I did, I did yeah. want to just stress, sure. stress one more thing, though, just so that it, it's not a little bit confusing. The program is not just an open bounce, though. There, it, it is structured. Yeah. So as much as it's equalizing and it's fun and it's bouncing, whatever, we do, we do take those um, experiences and we do things like obstacle courses, re- relay races, mm. um, some competitive stuff, because for every kid, their goal is different. So it works on things like frustration tolerance, team building, impulse control, turn taking. So we are actually structuring goals within within the program. So it really is a therapy. So there are some kids who love to compete, but they fall apart if they lose a game. Um, so this is, a, again, if we're doing a basketball thing within the bounce house, it's a great way within the moment to work on that. There are kids who just can't wait in line. They push through. So they were just, we're, again, we're using the natural environment, but I just want to make it clear that it is designed to be a therapy program with, that's structured with goals within the confines of the kids having fun. No, absolutely. And thank you for making that okay. clarification. Um, okay. I'm imagining the scene, and uh, but I, I love the combination of both. Speaking of goals, who is setting the goals? Is that something that, that you're, you and your staff do when you first meet a family? And are you setting those goals together? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just know that the way we work the program is if you sign up for the program, require a two-month commitment because the whole thing is we, we can't have different kids popping in and every out, you know, every week because you obviously can't create a structured group and kids can't develop that way. Mm-hmm. So we require like two months at the beginning. Lots of people obviously stay. We've had people who have been with us for seven years already. Wow. Um, but 
but the, the whole point is to keep the same structure, same therapist, same kids, so that they're actually developing relationships and friendships and skills together, um, especially with these kids. You know, they're not very flexible, a lot of them, and having a new kid pop in and out every week would sort of just ruin the whole dynamic of the yeah. program. So yeah. it's really key to us that the same parents stick with the same program and commit to at least you know, to eight weeks, because like any therapy in one week, you're obviously not going to see progress in your child. Right, right, right. You have to give it, give it a chance. Um, we have a few more yeah. minutes. And, and before we end where I want you to sort of give out all the information about how people can get more information. Do you have a story that sticks out to you um, from, you know, when you first started to now of just maybe one or two children or entire families that you feel like have really kind of impacted you in terms of um, showing you what's possible through this kind of work? I think one of the first stories that we had, which was amazing, was um, sort of what I was referring to before was a little boy who was um, severely autistic, no eye contact, um, no play skills, would really at the beginning would just come and literally jump by himself on the side. We'd have to take him off. And at some point about, I'd say maybe five, six months into the program, he was jumping one day and he was looking for a child and he actually said, where's Tom for the first time? And we couldn't believe it. The kid wasn't there that day. And we didn't even know that he was noticing this child. And suddenly he was looking for him and asking for him, which was amazing. And I think the other real thing is the families that I've gotten close to over the years, because we've literally had children who were in the program for five straight years who we actually graduated from the program. We've had a few of them, especially in our longer locations, who had no friends when they came. And there's a group of like five or six moms who have stuck with this program for so many years because this is their kid's social outlet. They've become friends. They play together. They they now play after school together. The moms are really close now. So just being able to see like relationships develop Mm -hmm. between the kids and the parents has been so nice because some of these kids, most of them, struggle so much socially and they don't have friends. So it's really just that that's been really great for us to see. And and a great lasting impact, um, especially not only for the children, but like you said, for the families who, my, you know, what I understand from so many families I talk to whose children come to Anderson, they're, they often feel so incredibly isolated and, and don't just feel that way. They truly are incredibly isolated because yes. they don't get invited yes. out. They can't, they can't say yes to coffee. They have to cancel at the last second because their child is, you know, needs them and, and they just can't leave the house that day. And, you know, in, in a lot of friendship type relationships, you do that a number of times and then people stop asking so the idea that's Mm -hmm. what I love about the fact that you found a way to keep parents there instead of kind of like oh you know come back in an hour and pick up your child no stay and relax and get support from each other and so that I can imagine how rewarding that is for you to to know that um, that some of the parents have had have developed relationships because that's something that people don't talk about often you know is is really that uh, I think there's well obviously we know that divorce rate is very very high among parents Mm -hmm. um, of children with autism but I think that that social isolation has a lot to do with um, is, is a big part of the struggle so I'm, I'm thrilled that you right. found a way to incorporate both in the last couple minutes here let's talk about ways that people can find a sensory bounce therapy opportunity near them um, do you have a website you want to sure. talk about sure so we have a website it's sensorybounce.com is our website they could just go to www.sensorybounce.com we actually have a sister program to sensory bounce um, which is called jump therapy. So either one, it's really the same program. It's just it was really a question of just licensing some of our play or anything that's a bounce you or a pump it up is sensory bounce. Anything that's not bounce you or pump it up mm-hmm. because of 
you know, that's their, their corporate name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Jump Therapy, but it's the identical program, and that's um, www.jumptherapy.org. And anyone can always just email us at info at sensorybounce.com. Um, we're amazing at getting back to people anytime, all day. Uh, they can call the office, 201-794-7700, um, extension 3. What other information can I give you? <laughs> um, well, I'll just share that when Anderson posts uh, the, the link to this interview, when we air it, we will also include the contact information so that people can can see that visually. Um, so you don't, if you didn't get a chance to write all that down, you'll see it again when we air this interview. And that is also an Apple podcast as well as on Anderson's website and our social media channel. So we'll try to get the word out um, because it really sounds like something unique. And, and I would love for as many families to learn about this as possible. Do you have any, what is, like you opened with one in Paramus and then um, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned earlier before we started to me just personally that you're you're in multiple states. So how many states are you in at this point? Uh, right now we're, I think, in about seven, maybe seven, seven states. Okay. And I where think. did you, where's the most recently opened program? Uh, we opened up actually in Springfield, New Jersey, which is one of our New Jersey programs just last week. Um, but we opened up a couple months ago in Santa Clara in California. We're in Lake Worth, Florida. We're in Maryland. We're, we have a bunch of them out in Long Island, mm-hmm. on Nassau County. Great. Uh, a few in New Jersey, one in uh, Nanuet, in Elmsford, and Westchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of them are, you know, are, are closer to here, tri-state area. Uh, but we do have a but few you're, that you're, we're opening. Yeah. yeah. And you're growing. So, well, and thank we you. hope to grow. <laughs> Uh, Miriam Skydell from Sensory Bounded Therapy, thank you so much for being on the show and telling us about your program. It sounds really exciting and, and it's thrilling to hear that you're seeing um, progress and having families sort of stick with it for, for a long time and, and coming together as a community. So love all that. For more information, check out sensorybounce.com or jumptherapy.org, I believe, for the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, and look for this interview where you can also get the uh, confer- the contact information once again. So, Miriam Skydell, thank you so much for your time, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. This is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 